It was such a privilege for Shauna and Allison and Timothy and Titus and me to make a road trip uh, over to South Mississippi uh, just um, a couple weeks ago as, as we were there with uh, her side of the family and, and my side of the family. And uh, last Sunday, uh, one week ago, we were um, at, at, at church with her side of the family in the morning and my side of the family in the evening, and it was just a, a full day of, of seeing uh, women and men who um, have given so much to pray for us and, and to care for us, and, and some, of, some of them we've known for decades and, and decades, and, and that was just such a privilege. I rounded uh, or came down the stairs in, into the foyer of the church that I went to when my family moved back from Africa uh, 30 years ago uh, when, um, when I was a teenager. And as I came down the stairs, I saw a retired uh, missionary there. He is 88 years old, and he and his wife are heroes of mine. Their legacy of faith and faithfulness their service to the Lord, and all that they did in Bangladesh uh, for so many years. And I was talking with him and, and asking him how he was doing. And, and I just told him, you know, I just, I longed to model his faithfulness. Just that life of faithfulness. Just wake up and serve Jesus with all that you have. And next day do it the same. And the following day the same. And the following day the same. Don't get caught up in the flash of the world or the allure of money or anything else. But just love Jesus with all you've got. The next day, um, I uh, had the privilege of, of speaking, sharing about South Sudan. And, and then uh, my dad and I were together. We got to go and we got to visit with him. And so here we were, the same uh, 88-year-old retired missionary. We're sitting down together. And I walked in just eager to hear from him and ask a bunch of questions and, and just wanted to learn from him, really. And next thing I knew, he was trying to ask about me. And every time I tried to ask him, he'd <laughs> kind of turn it, back, turn it back on me. And there was just this marked humility to his life. I'd just seen his wife, also in her 80s, making chocolate chip cookies for the kids at church for the vacation Bible school they were going through. And I marvel just listening to what they were up to these days, just how several times a week they're still in touch with Bangladesh, 20 years after they retired. They're still so engaged with the people that they gave their life to. How they're serving in the church and just these behind-the-scene ways like making chocolate chips for the for the little ones, chocolate chip cookies for the little ones. And the ways that they're giving their lives that don't attract any attention and they don't even think twice. I don't really know how to put into words. I kind of wrestled with it when I was getting ready to share the story with you tonight because I thought, I don't know how to put into words the humility that just marked his life. And that conversation with him was one of the most significant spiritual moments I have had in recent years. I would be unbelievably grateful if God would heal masses through me or 
give me crazy spiritual gifts, or the dead would come back to life. But if there's one thing I would long for, it would be that type of humility. There is just something about the godliness that flows from men and women who walk with that type of humility. And I don't know how you, how you frame it or, 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 or how you even express it, but you just know it when you're around it. You're around someone with that type of humility, and suddenly, without them saying anything, you're so convicted of the pride that's in your life because their humility just, just flows out of them. And so it, 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 it so touched me and, and, and inspired me because what comes with that type of humility is just a simple desire to walk with Jesus, to love him, to love other people, and just to give your lives for the, the, for the glory of God. You're not consumed with so many things that we can get, you can get caught up with. You just want to simply walk with Jesus. And I think that's what this passage tonight is going to encourage us in. Matthew chapter 11, as Aaron read for us just a minute ago, verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. If you were here last week, Steve was leading us through this dialogue and a rather challenging passage is that Jesus was talking to the people about ways they were being unrepentant and the weight of that. So Jesus was saying in the midst of it, verse 25, thank you, Father, that you've hidden this from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. My best understanding of this passage is not that he's necessarily talking about the three and four-year-olds, but he's talking about those who have the posture of a little child. They're not those who are haughty or arrogant or think they know everything. They're those who are just coming for Jesus, desperate to just walk with him. Those who are marked by that humility, that, that posture of, of submission before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that at that time in history, as Jesus was speaking these words, the Jewish leaders were known for making up all these extra requirements that had to be piled on top of the law on the Old Testament in order to serve God. And so they drew up all these extra man-made restrictions, and they felt like this was the only way to do it. They were known for being those who were full of pride and full of arrogance, expecting to be respected by other people. They were the absolute other end of the continuum from this humility that marked the 88-year-old missionary had the profound honor of being with one week ago. And so Jesus seems to be saying here, thank you, God, these things have been hidden from those who supposedly are wise and understanding, these teachers of the Jewish law who should know because they're the ones who are studying and teaching the Old Testament principles, but instead it's been revealed to the little children. The Bible is so clear that the last will be first and the first will be last. God makes the foolish to be wise and the wise to be foolish. And we need to be wary anytime we feel like we are suddenly figuring everything out, have life whipped, maybe, maybe feel that, that somehow we've, we are the ones who are special and have 
chosen, you know, have, have a special grasp on, on life. Scripture's so clear that it's those who just walk simply and humbly before God. They're the ones who really glorify and honor Him. Look at verse 26. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. I remember when I was in college, I had the privilege of going on a mission trip, and the church that I went to at the time picked three people to pray for everybody who was going on the mission trip. And I received the names of those who were praying for me, two men and one child. And I got it, and I began looking through the names, and I looked at the adults, and I thought, wow, this is amazing. There's leasers in the church. And then I looked at the child, and, and to my shame and my embarrassment, um, I was disappointed. And I thought, wow, I didn't get three adults like other people. And then so quickly I was convicted with this sense of, wait, but the child's prayers may be more powerful than the adult's. What if God listens to this little girl who's going to pray for me, and he listens to her more than he listens to the adults? And everything flipped, and I began to cherish her prayers more than I cherished the prayers of the adults. There is something about the heart of our loving Father who just loves to find those who simply love him and walk with him. I don't know how you feel, but sometimes I feel so intimidated on this Christian journey. I remember when I walked in day one of, of seminary and I sat there with so many people who just seemed to be so much smarter than me. They used words I didn't understand and concepts I couldn't wrap my mind around. And, and honestly, I wanted to walk away from ministry. Just straight up true. I wanted to walk away because I, I sat there with them and I thought, wow, if, if this is whose company I'm supposed to be in, I'm not going to be able to keep up with them. And it, it took me going back to the scriptures and just saying, no, but I know what God values is just those who love him and, and just want to walk with him. And I, that's what I want. That, that's what I want my life to be embodied by. And so I don't know how you feel. I don't know if there are those moments where you just feel overwhelmed. You think somebody else knows so much more. They have so much more experience. Maybe they've been a believer, a follower of Jesus so much longer than I have. Maybe those, there are those times where you think, well, I, I, I want to learn more about this or, or that, but I'm so far behind everyone else. Or, or I want to pray publicly, but my prayers don't even sound as fancy or as good as, as somebody else. Or there's some part of the Christian journey you want to tap into, but you just sort of feel intimidated. And I think this passage is such an encouragement for us that, no, God's delighting in you. If your heart is simply for him, you're marked by humility that says, you're not worried about what other people think. You just want God to be glorified in you. That raw obedience. You may feel that God's calling you to be a missionary, but you don't think you know enough or smart enough or have enough experience. But if you will just obey, God will be so pleased and honored. You may feel that he's calling you to go across the street to share the greatest news of all time with your neighbor, but you don't have the right words to say and you don't really know how to do it, but... God loves those who feel like maybe they're little children and just will walk in that raw obedience. You may feel like there's a faith journey God's called you to, maybe with your finances or in a relationship or a decision at work that you have to make. And if you'll just step out in that simple obedience, maybe you don't have it all figured out, maybe you don't know how it's going to play out, but 
If you just know the next step, that's what's so beautiful about Matt's testimony earlier. If we just know the next step, God's so honored by that. Jesus here seemed to be delighting not in those who knew everything, but those who would just walk as the little children would walk. I don't know how you feel, but I feel so encouraged by this. Verse 27, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. All right, I had to read this through several times, so, so let's do that. Verse 27, all things have been handed over to me, by my Father. Okay, Jesus was the Son of God sent to this earth, wrapped in human form, fully man, fully God. All things have been handed over to him by his Father. That's Father God. There is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. So all things have been handed by God the Father to Jesus the Son. Now, we're told that even creation came through Christ, that Jesus has always been there, part of the Trinity, God, three in one. All things have been handed over to Jesus by the Father, comma, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And you might say, well, don't we know Jesus? We do. Absolutely, we do. We know that salvation happens when we are saved from our sin and from death and an eternal lasting death and punishment that we deserve because of that sin. We are saved out of that and saved into eternal life with God because of Jesus. Because we believe in Jesus, we trust in him, and we surrender our heart and our life to him because of his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, we absolutely know him. But we don't know him the same way that the Father knows him. So I think that's what this is talking about. No one knows the Son except the Father. I mean, at this time, as Jesus was speaking these words, no one fully understood who he was. Even if they had an inkling that, wait, maybe there's something different about Jesus. Only the Father would have fully understood who was speaking these words, and only the Father fully knows Jesus in a way that we can't because they're both a part of the Trinity, comma, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So the Father that's God. God the Father is being revealed by Jesus the Son. And after Jesus died and rose from the dead, he sent the Holy Spirit as our counselor, our convictor, and to illuminate truth and draw us to God. So that means that the Holy Spirit and Jesus are working together to draw us to God and to help us see God for who he is. I love 2 Corinthians 4 where it says the God of this age has blinded the minds of the non-believers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Now, the God of this age, that's Satan, has blinded their minds to keep them from seeing just how beautiful God is, how great he is, how majestic and glorious he is, as if, if the world could see how amazing God is, everyone would love him. 
Everyone would follow him. Everyone would believe in him. And everyone would come into the kingdom of God. How in the world can you want to follow Satan when you see how amazing God is? How in the world can you be consuming the things of this world if you can only see God for who he is? That 2 Corinthians 4 passage is just brilliant. So Jesus here is is saying, if I will reveal the Father, in other words, if I will push those blinders away, then those who can see God for who he is, those are the ones who can be saved. Those are the ones who can be plucked from the domain of Satan in this world and come into the kingdom of God. Now Jesus says here, no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So Jesus has an intrinsic work in our salvation. Not only by his death on his cross, his resurrection from the dead, how he opened the way for us to enter into relationship with God because he takes away our sin, makes us pure and holy, and allows us to enter the presence of a holy God. He does all of that, but he also reveals God to us. So we know who he is. He was doing that in the pages of the New Testament while he was walking here. And when he rose from the dead, again, he sent the Holy Spirit to continue that work in us. So God then is revealing himself to us. Are you with me? God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God as the Trinity. It is God who does his work in us to reveal himself to us. So how do we know God? We know God because God has done that work in us. Now, we could also say, but, but don't we have a responsibility here, a human responsibility to, to believe in God and to surrender our lives to him and repent of our sin and to follow him? Absolutely. We absolutely do. But God is doing his work to save us as we repent of our sin and we surrender everything. God is drawing us to himself. So a great prayer to pray for those Houstonians who have never followed Jesus. For maybe friends and family for whom you have prayed for so long. For entire tribes in South Sudan who do not know the greatest news of all time. A great way to pray is that God will reveal himself to them. He will do something, take the initiative in their hearts and lives to reveal himself to him so that those 2 Corinthians 4 blinders can fall off. They can see how glorious he is. They can be intrinsically attracted to him. And he can save them in great power. Do you know how most Muslims become believers, the number one way that Muslims become believers is through dreams and visions. God loves to invade their lives in dreams and visions, reveal himself to them, and draw them to himself. God loves the peoples of the world. He is so passionate for those who do not yet know him. And this passage right here, God revealing himself to us as humans. This is happening all the time and a great thing for us to pray into. Verse 28, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus, if you remember, was speaking to a Jewish audience, um, many of whom were being influenced by those teachers of the law who were imposing those extra biblical responsibilities on the people. When the Bible said in the law to keep the Sabbath, and they would say, well, here's how you keep the Sabbath. You can't walk further than this distance, and you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you can't do that. And so they were bringing, on top of the people, all these extra responsibilities and weighing them down. So following God felt like a real weight to all of them, a tremendous load to bear. And so Jesus wanted to tell them, first of all, think like a little child. I'm going to reveal the Father to you, but in order for you to see the Father, you need to operate like a child. Don't get consumed in what you've always been told, but operate like a child with simple faith. Come to me, he says, all who labor and are heavy laden, those who especially were weighed down by the commands of this Jewish system that the teachers of the law had devised. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. How powerful are those words? Can you imagine being someone who has always wanted to follow God, wanted to know him, wanted to honor him? And so you found the teachings from these Jewish teachers of the law, and you were trying to do everything that you could to keep every little point that was out there, constantly beating yourself up and rebuking yourself when you'd fallen, and it was so legalistic, and it was so tough, and you felt exhausted by it, and suddenly you find Jesus, and you come face to face with them, and you begin to hear a teaching that's radical, and it's radical because there's not more things that you need to do. It's a whole bunch of things you don't even need to do anymore. It's not about what you do. It's about who you love, and it's about loving God so much that all these things just kind of flow from your life, and it's about a, a relationship with God, not just a list of tasks to perform. And, and it's about a life that's not, not complex and, and, and heavy, but it's, it's simple, like a child. It's radical in its simplicity and in its, in its freedom. So when Jesus says, come to me, all you are labor and heavy laden, they're, they're thinking, that's me, that's me. And Jesus says, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, Jesus says, and learn from me. That idea of yoke, that was a common metaphor in that time for the teachings from the Jewish teachers of the law. Their teachings were called the yoke. It was a yoke you would bear. A yoke is when you would take two oxen and there would be a wooden connection between the oxen to help them pull the plow. That was called the yoke. So it would, it would be a weight on them. It would, it would weigh them down and, and help keep them working together on the path. That, that yoke was, in a sense, indicative of just how heavy it would be on their lives. And certainly these commands that came from the Jewish teachers of the law were that way. So Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you. So not the other yoke, but take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I love the influence in a million different ways that Randy and Stacy Schrader have had on our Hope family over the last decade. And 
these past couple years, they have encouraged us so strongly in the gentle and lowly book that so many of us have read in our home groups and in our discipleship groups or perhaps in a group with the Schraders. And, and this is where it comes from right here. That title comes from this passage. And to me, it's just absolutely mind-blowing. Jesus is saying, I, Jesus, am gentle and lowly. And I think, how in the world is it possible for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Son of God, to be gentle and lowly? What an incredible window, a picture into the heart of the living God and who He is. He is gentle in his dealings towards us. And specifically in this passage, you think about what it would mean for those who were around teachers of the law that weren't known for being gentle. They, they were known for hammering their rules and responsibilities on all the people. And instead, Jesus is saying, I'm gentle and it's so life-giving. All the people who wanted to know God and wanted to follow him could, could suddenly wrap their minds around the fact that it wasn't supposed to be harsh like they had felt it before, but, but gentle and and lowly. And they felt so low. They always felt pushed down. They felt like, well, you want children? Yeah, we feel like children. And then you're saying that you're lowly as if you, you receive us. And this was backed up by Jesus' life where he would go and, and be with the tax collectors and the sinners, the Bible tells us. Those, those who were maybe outcasts from the Jewish teachers of the law. But Jesus was so passionate about being together with them. So Jesus is saying, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. I don't know who God is when you're praying. But one of the greatest ways to reframe our understanding of God is to thank him for his attributes. And if you struggle thinking of God as gentle and lowly, I would encourage you to bring it into your prayers every day. In your times of worship, as you read the Bible and as you pray, just spend time thanking God that he's gentle. And thank God that he's lowly. I heard a South Sudanese pray several years ago, and he just began to thank God for his humility. And it rocked me. I'd never heard that before. I'd never heard anybody call God humble. And of course, when I thought about it, I thought, absolutely, that's true. We're called to emulate God, and we're supposed to be humble. So, of course, God is humble, and no one can be more humble than God. He's got to be the epitome of humility, but that's not always what is in our minds when we think of God. So how do we reframe our perspective on who he is? We praise him for that. We praise him every day. Thank you, God, that you are gentle. Thank you that you are gentle with me. Thank you that you are gentle with my family, gentle with our church. Thank you that you're gentle with us. Thank you, God, that you are lowly. You are not haughty and prideful. Thank you that you are lowly. Thank you, God, that you are humble. Thank you that you are kind. You can take any of the attributes of God that you find in the scriptures and just pull it into your daily prayers and allow that to reframe your perspective on who God is. It's such a life-giving practice to, to walk through. Take my yoke upon you, Jesus said. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. All those Jews who did not feel that that yoke was easy, 
who had no concept of a burden that was light. And Jesus says, come to me and you'll find rest. And I want to say, Hope family, that in some ways we're in a totally different context. Perhaps you haven't grown up in a Jewish system with the same teachers of the law and all the factors that they were dealing with here. But perhaps in your own world, you are also weighed down by this sense of responsibility that you feel. And you've got to do this, you've got to do that, and you've got to do that as you're following God. And then you beat yourself up because you, you fail and you, you trip and, and you fall. And maybe you feel this weight on you that God wants to, to free you from. And maybe this passage is an opportunity to be as life-giving for us today as it, as it was for them then. Yesterday in our men's prayer time, I was confessing to the, the brothers there just what a challenge it is uh, for me personally because I feel as I follow God, I just, I just love him more than anyone. I love him and I want to glorify him with my life and I so desperately long for, for everything that I do just to, just to bring him praise and bring him glory. But sometimes I go out and I try to do all of that on my own strength rather than allowing him to do his work through me to glorify himself. So the purpose is right. It's all for his glory. But am I trying to do it by my own strength? In which case I'm, I'm weighed down and I'm heavy and I'm anxious and I'm stressed. Or am I just doing it by his strength? In which case I'm walking in joy and walking in peace. And he's doing all that he wants to do. And so for me, this passage was perfect timing, just crashing into my soul and an invitation from God. No, once again, to take on a, a yoke that is easy and a burden that is light and walk in the freedom of who he is. And I wonder for some of us as we move into a time of prayer and reflection, if it isn't a time just even in our own hearts to bow our heads before God and just maybe confess if you're like me that you've been trying to do it on your own strength and, and, and trying to, to add all these expectations. Maybe God isn't putting on you and, and, and maybe beating yourselves up and, and bearing a guilt that, that maybe isn't even from him. And maybe trying to force yourself to live and function in a certain way rather than allowing him to do his work through you. So today's an invitation from the living God just to cast off that yoke and take on his, the one who is lowly and gentle, who loves you and cares for you, who invites you to be like a child and just walk with them. Let me invite you to stand our music team and our prayer team to come. If you're a guest with us, we absolutely love this time of the service where our prayer team comes up to the front and you have the opportunity to come and to receive prayer. We would be so honored to pray with you, whether you're a guest or a covenant member. It could be um, any area of your life in which you would like to receive prayer, anything you'd like to talk to us about. Maybe you've never journeyed with Jesus before. We would love to get to dialogue together with you. Maybe it's something physically that you're going through. You want to pray for healing. Maybe it's something emotionally and a wound that you're carrying. Maybe it's a relationship that you're going through. Maybe you're just flat worn out. And maybe the passage today is intended to encourage you towards a lifestyle of rest, resting in Jesus and in who he is, not weighed down by maybe things that you're putting on yourselves, but just walking into the rest that Jesus has for you.
And today we would love to pray for you and love to journey with you and love to ask God to allow all things to be simple to us like it would be for a child. Father, we thank you for the great privilege we have of being encouraged and healed by your word. We thank you for who you are as a God who is gentle and lowly. So hard for so many of us to even wrap our minds around how you can be like that, but it's who you are. You are spectacular. God, you are incredible. Thank you for how you love us and care for us. Thank you for how you welcome us to yourself and welcome us to find rest for our souls. And so many of us are just tired, the pace of life, the, the stress and the strain. And tonight you're inviting us just to lay all things at your feet and to embrace your yoke, not the yoke of the world or the yoke of, of religion, but the yoke of a simple relationship with you. And we long for that. We long for that rest. And maybe as we come for prayer now, we just ask that your spirit would move for anything that we're praying through, that you would move miraculously in our lives, that you would give us healing, give us rest, give us hope, give us purpose. Father, help us be like children. And will you be glorified in us? We pray you'd move now. In Jesus' name we pray.